Welcome to Wobbleters Live, where the intersection of faith and the culture always looking at the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. My name is Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator and America's Constitution coach, and I'm here with David Barton. David is America's premier historian. He's our founder at Wall Builders, a mentor of mine, and a great teacher to millions of people who have been able to learn so much about the Founding Fathers, the Constitution, and the Declaration from him. Tim Barton as well. If you haven't had Tim speak at your church or uh, event in your community, you ought to do that. You ought to get to wallbuilders.com today and book him. Absolutely amazing stuff you've never heard before the truth about so much that happened in American history, and he brings it, oh my goodness, with fire. Good stuff. Anyway, Tim's our national speaker and pastor. He's president of Wall Builders, and uh, all three of us just want to thank you for listening today. We appreciate you being a part of the Wall Builders Live family uh, for, for not only listening but sharing the program, for donating at wallbuilderslive.com. Help us get that truth out there. Help us share good news with folks. I love Good News Fridays. That's what today's all about is just getting to as many good news stories as we possibly can. So thanks so much for what you're doing out there as a listener to share the program and educate and equip and inspire as many people in your community as possible to help us save this constitutional republic. All right, David and Tim, let's jump into some of that good news. David's got our first piece of good news today. Where are we headed, David? This comes out of the heartland of America. We're going to Kansas and Kansas. uh, There's a series of things that have happened in Kansas that are all good news. And I'll just read the headline here. It says, Kansas becomes the first state to pass a law defining gender as a person's sex at birth. So with all the gender stuff that's been running around for the last several years, Kansas becomes the first state to absolutely say, hey, here's the way it's going to be. And they, they, they adopt a definition of gender. And with it, you keep that through your life. No matter what gender you identify, what you claim to be, what bathroom you want to use, what locker room or other space you want to use, no matter what sport you want to be involved with, it goes down to your gender at birth. And so they call it the Women's Bill of Rights, and it defines both male and females. And and here's part of the the law. It says uh, a, a female is defined as an individual whose biological reproductive system is developed to produce ova. And a male is defined as an individual whose biological reproductive system is developed to fertilize the ova of a female. So that's the official definition they use. And if that's what you are, then that's what your definition is, regardless of how you identify yourself. And so they they then require that if you have that physical attribute, then you use woman and girl for the females and use man and boy for the males. And you don't use the other the other pronouns, and a mother is a parent of the female sex, and a father is a parent of the male sex. So that's the first law we have in America that now has taken the definitions and made them according to biology, including mother and father and male and female and et cetera. Now, I will point out they had to override the, the governor's veto to do this. Um, governor Kelly, the Democrat governor there in Kansas, didn't think you should be defined in genders biologically. Biology has nothing to do, apparently, with, with how you define things. But they overrode her veto. But also, while we're still in Kansas, uh, here is a bill, the Infant Born Alive Protection Act. So Kansas got that passed. Infant Born Alive Protection was introduced in the House a number of years ago. Couldn't get it passed. Uh, it's passed a number of states. And it says if, a, if an infant is born alive during an abortion. You don't go ahead and kill the child after it's born. You try to protect that child and, and save the life, regardless of what your intent was before that child is born. So the Infant Born Alive Protection Act in Kansas got that done. So that's a good pro-life law. And by the way, they also had to override the governor's veto to get that done, which is a two-to-one override. 
Um, this vote was 87 to 37, so it was more than two to one, which is what you have to have, but that's an overwhelming slap down, 87 to 37, so they overrode her veto. And here's a third law that came out of Kansas, and th this deals with bathroom stuff. So it, it's it's defining bathrooms, kind of like they define gender. Uh, they're now saying, no, we're, we're going to use bathrooms. We're not going to have transgender bathrooms. We're going to have male and female bathrooms and use them according to biology. And again, they had to override the governor to do this. This was an 84 to 40 override. Um, you know, if you're going to have to override the governor and get good laws passed, maybe you need a different governor in Kansas. I mean, just throwing it out there as a thought. If you're going to have to override all these laws to get good stuff done, and you're sending that many Republican representatives to the House and the Senate to easily double it up and override her, maybe you need a different governor, guys. It's just, just a thought. Just throwing it out there. But good news that Kansas is finally getting a bunch of good laws passed. But they're having to override their governor to do it, which also tells you that a lot of stuff is being done that they don't have um, influence over, you know, appointments and other things that they can't do. And that probably shows that she's out of touch with the rest of the state. Well, this is something, too, that as we've seen uh, momentum, and we, I mean, even earlier this week, we had Phil King on talking about the, the Ten Commandment bill in Texas. We have seen momentum across the state where these legislators, a, a lot of them, uh, their hearts were in the right place. They just didn't feel in some of these situations that they had the legal authority or ability and, and really momentum in some scenarios to be able to get some of this positive legislation done. And now not only are we seeing these legislators find a new level of courage and backbone, but they're leading in ways that we, we've really been asking for years. Where, where are the Republicans standing up on some of these issues? Where, where are they that you know, some of these people ran on issues, they got elected on issues, and then we don't see these issues advancing in the states for the, the very reason they were elected in the first place. It was part of their campaign positions. And it does seem in many ways, for the first time in decades, we are seeing some of these elected officials finally upholding their campaign promises on some really significant issues, things that are basic, really basic value issues, but certainly conservative positions, which Dad, even as you're saying, it should be telling of the governor of Kansas that the governor of Kansas opposed all of these basic value issues. It's equally as telling when you see the Democrats opposing so many of these basic value issues, literally protecting women, as we have seen the expansion of males who want to identify as female for whatever advantage they believe it is, and they go into female sports or whatever the, the issues might be they're involved in, competition, whatever it is, we literally see the diminishing of women and these Democrats who have long pretended to be the ones in favor of women and, and the feminists and advancing women's rights now can't even define what a woman is and therefore they're letting men come in and take more away from women. When you see Republicans that are squishing on this issue and Democrats totally on the wrong side of these issues, it's very telling, but it is in the same time encouraging that we are seeing right now more of this positive legislation being done in the various states around the nation than we've ever seen in any of our lifetimes. It's really encouraging to see these legislators finally finding the backbone and getting the momentum to get a lot of these things done. Well, Tim, let's keep the good news going. This one is from Virginia Commonwealth University, and it does deal with some of the same topics we were just talking about uh, as far as identifying the value of life. Uh, earlier this year, there was a speaker from a, a pro-life organization that on campus, uh, there was the Students for Life at VCU invited 
uh, Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life of America, onto campus to come give a pro-life speech. And when Kristen arrived the first time back in March, there was a mob, protest mob that showed up. And, and right as we're talking about some of this crazy irony where people are positioning themselves against these basic common values, when Kristen showed up to talk about the value of life, the value of the unborn, where there's options for mothers, there was a violent protest and violent very specifically. It was violent. There were individuals, many of them wearing Antifa uh, shirts or things with Antifa written on it. And it did turn violent on campus. There were several uh, physical assaults. I, I believe the report I saw uh, was that multiple students had to receive uh, medical treatment from EMTs. And this this violent protest led to the event closing down and, and people really evacuating for their own safety. And the campus was like, man, you know, we're sorry. That's kind of too bad. Alliance Defending Freedom got involved and they said, no, 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 no. Right? When, when you have events on campus, the campus is supposed to provide security to make sure that this unruly activity doesn't happen. And VCU came back and said, you know what? You're right. We should have provided security. That's our bad. And so just last month, end of April, they were able to once again have this event rescheduled. And at this time, there were 40 protesters that again showed up and looked like they were going to try to be violent again and disrupt again Fortunately, this time there were police there. They responded quickly. They arrested four of the disruptors. And once four of them were arrested, it kind of caused the rest of the protesters to go, all right, not worth our time. We're going to leave. And the event was able to go off smoothly. So the good news is that you have organizations on campus that had the courage after they were literally physically assaulted in the first attempt to have a pro-life meeting. They had the courage and backbone, recognizing the significance of the issue, the, the, the morals and the values at stake here. And they said, no, we're doing this again. We want to make sure that every student who is interested has the opportunity to come and hear the pro-life message, uh, have this opportunity to be impacted, have a philosophical change in their direction. If there's any pro-choice students, come and listen, hear the value of life. And so they were able to, once again, have this meeting and they were able to get it done. And so... But I mean, maybe at some level we should say, hey, VCU, good job, right? Congratulations for doing the right thing, for making sure you had police there. But I really want to praise this, this pro-life organization on campus, Students for Life at VCU, uh, for having the courage to, to reschedule this meeting and to reassemble and bring the speaker back. And then obviously, uh, kudos to Kristen Hawkins for having the courage to come back. And after having gone through this violent protest, physical assault the first time, coming back and saying this message is important and needs to be heard. So just, just good news from the outcome and the courage of these organizations involved. All right, so we went from Kansas to Virginia. we got to take a quick break. We'll be back and find out where David's taking us next. Stay with us for some more good news on Wobblers. Hey, friends, if you've been listening to Wall Builders Live for very long at all, you know how much we respect our veterans and how appreciative we are of the sacrifice they make to make our freedoms possible. One of the ways that we love to honor those veterans is to tell their stories here on Wall Builders Live. Once in a while, we get an opportunity to interview veterans that have served on those front lines, that have made incredible sacrifices, have amazing stories that we want to share with the American people. One of the very special things we get to do is interview World War II veterans. 
You've heard those interviews here on Wall Builders Live from folks that were in the Band of Brothers to folks like Edgar Harrell that survived being in Indianapolis to so many other great stories you've heard on Wall Builders Live. You have friends and family that also serve. If you have World War II veterans in your family that you would like to have their story shared here on Wall Builders Live, please email us at radio at wallbuilders.com, radio at wallbuilders.com. Give us a brief summary of the story and we'll set up an interview. Thanks so much for sharing here on Wall Builders Live. Welcome back to Wall Builders. Thanks for staying with us for this Good News Friday. We're back over to David and uh, let's see, I'm just going to guess geographically we've been to Kansas We've been to Virginia. David's going to take us to Tim. My money's on California. Well, you're safe if you want to say we're not in Kansas anymore. So if you want to <laughs> quote, it. I got 49 wise, options, and I'm guessing California, and I'm not well, even close. I could. <laughs> California is right, and it's even worse than that. It's San Francisco, California. Oh, no way! Come on. Okay, so, I finally guessed one right. That's the first time in a while. <laughs> Well, San Francisco makes the rest of California look red compared to San Francisco. So uh, if that tells you how bad it is, it, we talked about something probably four or five years ago. It was just starting to happen where that you, you had um, states like California and, and some up in Oregon and Washington. They were saying, you know what? If you're a state that is doing bathrooms as male and female, our state's not going to do business with you anymore. And they did some of that on pro-life stuff. If you passed a pro-life law, our state won't do business with you. And so California was one of those states, and San Francisco specifically is one of those cities. Now, that's a problem because the founding fathers, when they talked about inalienable rights, they put uh, 15, 16, 18 in the Bill of Rights, but they had others that were not there. And they had said that among others are these. And one of those rights is called expatriation. And the right of expatriation is the right for the citizen to move freely between all the other states. And so California and some of these other states, they put ban on travel. No work, no people who work for the government of California, these other states could travel to North Carolina or Texas or Louisiana. And so they're inhibiting the right of, of, of people to travel among the states, and they're trying to put up barriers between the states. Well, San Francisco, I mean, they were willing to go a whole lot further than California was, and so they put their own barriers up and we're not doing any kind of business with pro-life states and with these gender folks and, and with people who recognize and believe there's two bathrooms, et cetera. So that's out there. And here's the headline on this article. San Francisco abandons boycott of pro-life states after disastrous results. So what they found was that they can't exist without the business from pro-life states and it's cost them too much money to try to find other alternatives to what pro-life states produce. And so e even over the course of these last few years, they've had to give themselves waivers on their own boycott amounting to $791 million. In other words, that's stuff they couldn't find except in a pro-life state. So they had to go ahead and buy it from pro-life states. So they gave themselves a waiver to buy it from a state that's on the boycott list, but nobody else has that product or whatever. And so they finally did analysis and says, not only is this working, they said it's disastrous for the San Francisco economy. Now, by the way, maybe giving $1,000 a month to everyone who's homeless is also disastrous on the economy, not to mention what they did. Was it 1500 a month they were giving all transgenders in, in San Francisco? I mean, they, they apparently don't know how to operate a budget anyway, but nonetheless, they found that- Yeah, this, David, so they're, they're spending money on all this stuff. And didn't I read that they're, they're now saying they're going to pay reparations of like a million dollars or a million and a half or a million two or something like that to, to each individual? 
Yeah, and, and guys, let's 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 remind everybody listening, right? That there's so many levels of dumb in what we are talking about. <laughs> You're talking about a state that never had slavery is going to pay people who were never slaves after they've taxed the people who never owned slaves <laughs> for this scenario. None of this makes like I mean, obviously, like 1619 Project Critical Race Theory. That's wrong, historically inaccurate for lots of reasons. But it's one thing if you were like. We're going to the city of Jamestown, and Jamestown, we're making you pay reparations. I would disagree with that for lots and lots of reasons, but at least that would be logical on some level, <laughs> since we're talking about a place where they, yes, that like they did become pro-slavery, very pro-slavery in Jamestown. California never did. So there's just so much dumb rolled up into this package known as San Francisco and their policies. Nonetheless, that's part of this conversation. Well, uh, apparently they are really, really bad with math in California. Maybe they've had Common Core math for so long they don't know how budget <laughs> works, and, and so th they're they're having trouble. I, I don't know where they're getting all the money to do this. I, I just really, frankly, don't know. I don't know how they're going to disseminate it. But nonetheless, back to their boycott that they had had this the boycott in all these states. They found that they had spent four hundred and ninety five thousand dollars staffing the boycott to try to find other products that, that would get around the boycott and that they had to spend $791 million. So it's it's just in so many ways. You know, this is the thing of you can judge a tree by its fruits is what Jesus said. This is the dumb tree, and these are the dumb fruits that come from the dumb tree. Their ideas were dumb from the start. The fruits are dumb all the way through. But this is the problem with progressives. Progressives mean never having to say you're sorry. So they will never apologize for all the mistakes they've made, and they'll always come up with something new to explain it away. But these guys have a track record of abysmal failure for a number of years, and they keep doing stupid stuff. And at some point, you hope that they've left the hand on the stove long enough to know that they've been burned, but apparently they don't even know they've been burned. So it's just crazy. But to their credit, they did abandon the boycott that they've had on these pro-life states because it is hurting them worse than it's hurting the other states. Well, we've talked a lot on the program about using the dollar, right? Voting with your dollars for, you know, woke corporations or whatever it might be. But but here you have a situation where they, they basically hurt themselves. They made the decision. They hurt themselves. And they've had to fix it. We didn't have to do anything. They figured it out on their own. Well, it's always nice when, when people come to the realization uh, financially when they try things and go broke and they go, you know what, that's not working. But I, I also feel like all they're doing is redirecting their dumb in a different direction. Um, so I don't know that they've really figured anything out other than they're just like, hey, that bad idea didn't work. Let's try this new bad idea. This will be way better. Let's do this reparation stuff. Uh, and this is still financially involved. So I, I don't think financially they've become wiser. They've just redirected their dumb. And to all of <laughs> the God-fearing Christians out there, you know, we we definitely slam on some of these uh, Democrat-run cities, some of these uh, Democrat-run states for the policies that the dumb things that are there, but I also want to remind our listeners, you know, there, there was a, a prophet in the Bible who at one point he said, am I the only one left, right? Feeling the victim, feeling sad, sorry for himself. And remember God shows up and says, you're not the only one. I have thousands who have never bowed their knee to Baal. And I point this out because I, a lot of what we do joking about the dumbness of some of these policies is not to overlook the fact that we know that in many of these places there is still a remnant and we do keep you guys in prayer, even though we don't often talk about it on the radio, uh, even though we make jokes about it. We know that there are 
actually believers and Christians working to turn some of these places around. Um, unfortunately, you know, in, in, in some scenarios, you you had believers in, in some places in the Bible and God told them, hey, you should just go ahead and get out of the city right now because <laughs> this, this <laughs> thing's about to burn to the ground. There's sometimes you stay behind, you try to turn it around. There's sometimes that uh, you might need to think about doing something different based on what that makeup is. And I'm not saying that necessarily God is going to bring the same consequences of Sodom and Gomorrah on San Francisco. But I just want to point out that we do know that there are believers out in the area, that they're not alone, they're not abandoned. There's some really strong Christians and conservatives all over California. Uh, but certainly when it comes to policies and when it comes to San Francisco, they have some of the dumbest. I, I think I have a whole new talk for Patriot Academy this summer at every state capitol when we talk about uh, the right way to do things and the wrong way to do things from now on. We're going to coin the phrase from Tim Barton, redirecting their dumb. I like it. I like it. It's a new phrase. It's officially Tim's for at least the next two weeks, but then it's mine. I'm stealing it. All right. We got time. We got time for at least one more good news. Maybe it depends on what it is. Tim, you're up, brother. This is something that, I mean, really, we we need to have an interview based on this. So uh, in Maine, there's an individual leading kind of the uh, conservatives in Maine. His name is Carol Connolly. And in Maine... Guys, absolutely amazing. Uh, just at, at this point, I think it's a couple of weeks ago, there was a a bill that was being proposed in Maine to essentially remove all restrictions on abortion up until birth on, on some level. I mean, what they say in the bill is up until uh, kind of viability and, and the child can, can live on their own outside the womb. And of course, I mean, there's subjectivity in how we define that. And there's some people that would say, well, really, it's after the baby's born and when maybe they're two years old. There's there's a lot of skewing of this conversation. Nonetheless, it was going to remove nearly all of the restrictions on abortion. And so pro-lifers in Maine decided to show up at the Capitol and testify in committee. And Rick, going back to your experience in the state legislature, uh, there were committees that went long and, and, and there were at times open testimony that went long. What what would you guess is probably the the longest committee and the longest testimony you ever had on an issue when you were in the Texas legislature? Wow, man, I can remember, you know, two, three in the morning in my criminal jurisprudence committee. And I'm trying to remember what the issue was. I cannot even remember now what it was. I I, I had some really long ones in that in that. And and part of that is because when you're dealing with criminal justice, you get into some emotional issues, right? Because people have been harmed. Lives have been lost, or whatever it might be, and so they, uh, you get you get some some tough testimony too. But man, yeah, so I, I can remember being late into the night. What was it in Maine? So are we thinking? Does that mean it was six, eight, ten, twelve hours? Like how yeah. long would that committee go? Yeah, yeah, probably probably the longest I ever had was yeah, probably about eight hours, ten hours, eight or ten hours. Okay, this committee went twenty hours. Wow. <laughs> uh, on and it was it was largely on this issue of the pro life. Uh, or in this case, it was the, the pro-death legislation being promoted on, on abortion. But there were 1,900 pro-lifers that showed up. Wow. There were over 600 that signed up to testify against this piece of legislation. Now, wait, you said this so, was in Alabama, uh, you know, Georgia, uh, no, Texas? No, this, this, this was in the super conservative Maine area. Wow, so, man, And, and by awesome. that, no, Maine— Maine is not known, and, and right, I mean, this even kind of goes back in my thoughts to like San Francisco. That Maine is not known as this incredibly conservative area. It, far from it. They're, they're not maybe as crazy as San Francisco, but this, this is not a conservative bastion. And yet, in a state we see going in a much more liberal direction, generally speaking, 
1,900 pro-lifers show up, more than 600 sign up to testify, and, and this committee goes 20 hours, and when, when we're talking, and, and by the way, we, we don't know the full outcome yet, and this is where we probably should get Carol Connolly on, uh, who helped organize this, and, and have an interview, say, hey, like, talk us through what happened, this is absolutely amazing, the turnout that happened, we don't know that this is going to necessarily have the the desired outcome, that uh, Maine is all of a sudden going to become pro-life, but what is amazing is that you have that many people saying, we're going to get involved. Now, we are paying attention, and we are going to show up. We've talked about it. Since COVID, more and more people are waking up. They're paying attention. They're beginning to show up. And in Maine, this is absolutely phenomenal that you had that many people show up and be that committed that they would stay all night. The last testimony was in, in, in 6 a.m., and it was six like 6.47, maybe 6.40-something, but they had testified all through the night, which I can imagine people in that committee were probably super frustrated because they did not all share the, the pro-life sentiments. And they're like, oh my gosh, just be done talking. But these individuals were committed enough. The issue was important enough. They stayed through the entire night given testimony. And that is incredible when we see individuals getting involved in the process, being that committed in a place where we don't know that this is going to have the desired outcome, and yet they still showed up. They still did their job. Kudos to every one of those individuals from Maine. All right, folks, we're out of time for today. If you need more good news, it is at our website, wallbuilderslive.com. Go there, click on the archive section, and you can get some of those previous Friday programs that are chocked full of good news, and we'll be bringing you more next week. Be sure and share it with your friends and family. I promise you, they need a pick-me-up as well. They need to know that our system of freedom works and that there are good things happening out there along with the bad and the ugly. And I like to focus on the good, not ignoring the bad and the ugly, but it's important for us to know the good so that we can stay in the fight and be encouraged. So be sure and share those things with your friends and family. And as you go into the weekend, this is a great time for you to be thinking about what you're going to do to make a difference in your culture, make a difference in your community. This is the time to sign up as a constitution coach, start hosting a biblical citizenship class right there in your home or right there at your church. Now is the time to do it. This is a fantastic time to do it. So check that out today at patriotacademy.com. Get signed up. Use these amazing courses. Biblical Citizenship in Modern America is being taught by thousands of people across the country, hundreds of thousands of people going through this course and learning these truths from Kirk Cameron, David Barton, Tim Barton, Barry Loudermilk, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, all these folks, and you can be the one to bring that to your community. Check it out today at patriotacademy.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Wobblers Live. We stand on this.